Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Let's say together a prayer as we hear the word. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. While some of us this morning may need an extra measure of grace if you watched the hockey game late last night, and um, if you cheered for the wrong team, uh, this is a church that accepts people with all kinds of false hope and uh, <laughs> redirects it to Jesus. <laughs> ah. uh, this morning marks the beginning of a, a series of sermons that I will share with uh, some of my, my staff as well as uh, Jake Ashton will have a privilege to be a part of this preaching series as well as our district superintendent, uh, Reverend Rose Brower Young, who will be here in a number of weeks. But I get to start a series based on uh, Paul's le uh, letter to the Corinthian church uh, that is about what it means to be the church. And there is seemingly, in my opinion, a great need repeatedly for someone like myself to remind us of the biblical perspectives that we gain for who the church is. And the reason that is important is because there are many perspectives of what the church ought to be. If I was to do a survey here with you right here this morning and uh, ask each one of you what you think the church ought to be, we may have similarities, but my hunch would be that many of us would have very diverse or different perspectives of what the church is. And so there is a need to anchor our understanding, hence our expectation of the church in the Bible. When we have false perspectives, false expectations of who the church is and what it is to do, we will be disappointed. Now sometimes, even when we write about who the church is, we may be disappointed. Can I just say this out front in case you didn't know this? There is no perfect church. Of the 17 or so New Testament churches referenced in the Bible, not one of them was without a problem, a challenge. So this false perspective that we will land in a perfect church is just not an accurate biblical one. And so I say that to you not to suggest that that means we can just be willy-nilly and be whatever we want and be as dysfunctional and put the fun in dysfunction as a church. 
But it does mean this, that we have a sober, realistic understanding of who the church is and recognize that God is working in our lives, fashioning for himself a people. So hence the fact that he who has begun a good work is faithful to bring that work in completion. One of the key things you ought to ask yourself this morning, if you're a part of this church is, am I growing in the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ? And does my life reflect an ongoing growth, an ongoing capacity for the things of God within me? Then you know you're a part of a vibrant church. Do you know that the Apostle Paul begins 1 Corinthians in a startling way? I want to read it for you. Hear this. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified, old Nazarenes getting excited right now, in Christ Jesus called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul addresses at the outset when he speaks to the Corinthian church, he names them as those who are sanctified, set apart by God, and called to be saints. And anyone here who's read Corinthians would say, I'm not sure that was true of them. (laughs) It should puzzle us a little bit to think that Paul would begin with such a strong affirmation. The word saints rendered perhaps loosely, more colloquially for us as holy ones, that Paul begins, Jennifer, by addressing this dysfunctional church who certainly put the fun in dysfunctional as the saints of God, as the sanctified of Christ. I think it's important that we hear that because I think the starting point to speaking about the church is what God has made us. So when Paul begins this way, it's not to say that this was a church without problems. He begins this way because sometimes, and I know I'm going to get a few quiet amens, but I I, I let you loose to say amen loudly this morning, and you'll still be okay. You'll still be Canadian. That Paul begins with what Christ has made them because sometimes churches don't act the way they ought to act. There's one amen. Sometimes the church gets it wrong. Can I just say that? And you have to understand that when I say that, I'm not going that church. I'm not going out, our brothers down the road or or those other guys down there. I'm saying sometimes the church, which we are a part of, gets it wrong. Sometimes we all need some good parenting from Paul. We need kind of to be reminded that when my children do things that are just not in line with what I think ought to happen in our home, my response to them is, now remember, you're my son. Not that my girls don't need that. (laughs) Yeah, don't let me go down that road. (laughs) And so I think theologically, Paul begins with what Christ has made them in order to say to them, listen, and throughout the letter, he does kind of this polemic argument. He says, this is what non-Christian people do, and this is what saints do. And he's constantly saying to them, remember who you are. And may whatever your confession be, reflect that in your life. 
And so the Apostle Paul begins by reminding the Corinthian church, and perhaps as I begin a series on what it means to be the church, I encourage us all to consider that in Christ we have been made saints because of his sacrifice. Listen, if you do not begin there, you're going to have problems in your Christian life. You're going to try to win God's approval when God in Christ has already approved you. The response of the church ought to be this, thanks be to God. Every Sunday we gather, we gather to do this. Thank you, God, that I am saved because of Christ. Thank you, God, that you have not left anything undone so that I may be your child. Now, sometimes my behavior is not becoming. And sometimes the words I need is to be reminded of what it means to be your child. The Corinthian church was a church with problems. They were a community marked by division, conflict, power struggles, lacking discernment on a number of issues related to worship. Some of them got drunk on the communion wine and confusion over spiritual gifts. Yet Paul says to them in the opening that they are God's children purchased at a great price, set apart for God's purposes, called to be saints. I want to say this to you. There is so much grace in reading this letter because we understand that even when the church has missed its mark, Paul, as an advocate of the grace of God, stands before the church and invites them to respond now through confession, respond now through repentance, respond now through changing their behavior to the grace which has been afforded them. I think that we often need the grace of God. You know, some of the most critical and judgmental people have forgotten that they too receive forgiveness and grace. You know, one of the ways that we posture ourselves well as a church to be able to receive people from all walks of life and people who may not look like we do or believe what we do, one of the ways in which we become influential in our world is we immerse ourselves deeper and deeper in the grace of God because that grace is transformative. That grace is humbling. That grace enriches our lives so much so that there is something about us that speaks to our culture and says, there is room. If there was room for me, Gary, there's room for you. <laughs> if there is a place for someone like me, there's a place for you. The church is who it is because God is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, Patient, patient, patient. Listen, my friends, if you're sitting here today and you're sitting in this church and you, you're wondering where we're going, uh, you know, sometimes I know. Half of you are going to ask me questions about that tonight. <laughs> Pastor, tell us where we're going. But most of the time, I am leaning into the grace of God, trusting that he who has begun this good work that is Skyview is faithful to take us where he wants to. I lean more into the grace of God than into my own wisdom. I lean more into the sufficiency of Christ than into my own competence. He is enough for you, and he is enough 
for me. He is enough for the church. In all our brokenness and shortcomings, Jesus is sufficient. We are his children. You are the saints of God. You are the ones who are sanctified and set apart by him. Hear the words of the apostle Paul. No gift has been left ungiven. You have everything you need to be who God wants you to be. To this, God's people says hallelujah. <laughs> That wasn't even my main point. <laughs> the problem in our text is a problem concerning spiritual gifts, in particular, ecstatic speech, tongues, or glossolalia, as it's referred to in the technical sense. Let me give you some context. It appears that the Corinthian church may have had some members who promoted spiritual tongues and frenetic worship as marks of their spirituality. And while the Apostle Paul, certainly there is some intimation in Corinthians itself that he was a person who at times spoke in spiritual tongues, he is here addressing those who have used this ecstatic language as a means of control and power over others. Perhaps the tendency of these influences who have made the speaking in tongues the mark of spirituality was to use that mark as a way of elevating their authority in the community. Whenever spiritual gifts are given to the church, just a side note, it never leads to the subjugation of others, the suppression of others, and the elevation of only a few. Whenever that happens, it is a dysfunctional church and not the fun kind. And Paul is troubled by what is happening. And he says to them, you ought to not act in ignorance concerning these gifts. Let me make a point before I give you my context or my content. A lot of the problems in the early church came out of a deficient, can I use that word, makes sense to us? Understanding of what God has already done for the church. Let me frame it to you differently. If, and I've repeated my professor so many times on this, let me do it again. If we do not believe in faith that God has absolutely done everything and gives us everything we need to live the Christian life, we will try to do what has already been done for us. The marks of the early church were this. Whenever they had a deficient view of what God has done and given them, they created things to fill in the gap and told people more is needed. This church here, Skyview, hear me very clearly on this. We do not operate out of a deficient understanding of the fullness of God. We believe that in Christ and through the power of God's spirit given to the church, we have everything we need to be faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ in our world. Therefore, in our church we do not speak of, I wish we had more. Uh, if we only had a pastor that would stick to 30 minutes. I can only use myself, right? Otherwise it gets too personal. If we just had more space, if we had more money, if we had more talent, if we had more, no, no, no. This church is formed on the conviction that in Christ he has given us all we need for this life. Here in this community, the Spirit of God has given gifts 
to a diverse group of people so that what? The body of Christ would be built up. Nothing is left undone. Christ paid the price so that we can be children of the living God. And it is he that gives us the spirit so that we have the power to live as those who follow him. Thanks be to God. Christian spirituality flows out of the sufficiency that God is enough. And has done all we need. All of Christian life is a response to that hope. And whenever we operate as if we need to fill that in, we create more for people to do. You know, I, I, I just got to be honest with you, for most of my life, I didn't get this. My starting point is not to work for my salvation. <laughs> It's to work out my salvation. It is to work out, it's to figure out what it means now that I am God's and he is mine. What does it mean to live faithfully for him? Let our words, can I be real practical, in this church not be, I wish we had more. But may our prayers be, God give us the faith to live as those who are secure in knowing we can and are who you've called us to be. Thanks be to God. There's a little voice in my head that says, don't run down, down, down to the, the main floor. I, I so badly want to do that. Because I, I, I feel, and this is how I communicate, and part of it was birthed out of my insecurity. When I speak to people, I, I'm always worried, do they really hear me? And so I want to get close enough to your eyes so I can see you in the eyes, see if you're listening. But I, I so desperately want to run down and just say to you, Here's where we begin, is that God says to us, you're a gift. You're a gift to this community. Do you know in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 7, it says this. Maybe I should read it instead of just going by memory. My memory's getting a little bad. Um, I used to be able just to, to kind of remember stuff and quote stuff without giving it second thought, but these days it's not as good as it used to be. So let me go here. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, well, ch chapter 1, verse 7. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to, to be revealed. The Apostle Paul says, let me address your ignorance by first of all starting off by telling you this, that the church has been given all the gifts it needs to remain faithful to Jesus. Paul is teaching this church to live out of this awareness that they have what they need. I've been a part of many churches and sometimes uh, the most you hear uh, when it comes to grumbling is uh, out of this deficient sense of we need more. We need more people. We need more staff. Oh Lord, convict me. We need more talent. We need more resources. We need more. We need more. We need more. I think the Apostle Paul is reminding the church that God has gifted the church with all they need to fulfill the mission that God has given them. But not only does he say that God has given them the gifts they need to remain faithful, he says that the gifts that God gives by his spirit does not work against the witness of the church. 
In other words, the confusing uh, opening, you know, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that you, when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. The same Spirit that enabled you to confess Jesus Christ as Lord will not give you a gift that mocks him or curses him. In other words, let me interpret for you in a different way. The Spirit of God that gives gifts to the church does not give gifts that works against the confession of the Lord of Jesus Christ. In other words, if you have a spiritual gift and it is creating disunity and conflict and problems, it is a spirit that gives you that, but it is not the spirit of God. Hmm. Should I pause there? Pause for dramatic effect. And it seems, when you study this, and there's a lot written about it, you know, you know, Jesus be cursed, some scholars say, was there literally people who were Christian who were saying Jesus be cursed when they were speaking in tongues? I don't think that's what Paul's after. I think Paul is making a point. He's saying the way in which you've behaved, the way in which you've elevated one gift above another has created disunity, and it has been like a curse to the name of Jesus Christ. That's just my take. And if you're saying to me that is by the Spirit of God, how can this Holy Spirit speak against itself? You know, we speak in more than just our words. You know, if our community does not reflect the grace and capacity to love and work things out and be unified and recognize not everybody's going to see things the same way, yet we find a way to be reconciled to one another, can I say in this church that happens? Perhaps you'd be surprised if I said in this church we don't always get along. But can I add to that? I have seen God help us find reconciliation. Because the same spirit is in you and me, Jen. <laughs> and though we are different, though you have very different gifts to mine, and perhaps you're very thankful for that, we can live together in peace, we can live together in, in, in harmony, because it is the same God who gives diverse gifts to different people for his common good. So, Gifts that lead to division are not gifts of the Holy Spirit. By the way, in the pagan cultures of the Greek, the Greek pagan cultures of the first century, second century, uh, when they prayed to their mute gods, which Paul aptly calls mute because the gods didn't speak back, they would often fall into frenzied speech. In other words, Paul is reminding them of their pagan past and saying, remember how that the way you went about things didn't heal anything. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, you, you're no longer that. You, you are now, get this, not only given the Holy Spirit, but you are given gifts. Now, I want to ask you a question, and, and, and just reflect with me for a second. Just kind of answer it in your mind. Do you often think of yourself as a gift to others? <laughs> I'm not asking you to be arrogant, okay? But... You know, the thing about gift is, if you think of yourself as gift, you, you realize a few things that Paul is doing here, and, and I'm trying to make simple of the complex theology. I think what Paul is saying is, if God has given gifts to the believing community for the common good, then we are the recipients of those gifts. And the gifts are given, not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all. 
If you don't use the gift God has given you, the community suffers. And I think in the church sometimes, what we tend to do is we elevate certain gifts and give it a real preeminence. So preaching in our church, may, may all believe that that's it, right? That's, well, that's the gift. But you know what that does is it puts us all off the hook, right? <laughs> well, he's got the gift. I don't, have, I don't have any gifts. And when we elevate the gifts and put a superiority on it, what happens is we, we tend to then not recognize that God has called us all to be a part of this. What is the gift that you have? I, I was thinking about this in, 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 in March, and we'll promote this in a few weeks. I'm going to have a friend of mine, a colleague of mine from Center Street come in, and she's going to do a course called Discover Your Design, all on spiritual gifts. And if you're interested in, in if you haven't done something like that, I encourage you to come, and we'll start promoting that shortly. But, but, but I want to ask you that, that if you think about your life, do you see yourself, one, as a gift that God has uniquely put together? for the blessing of others. There's some of you who have been gift to us as a community. Uh, I look in the back and you, you see those walls on the top. That's not the design, even though that would be like, you know, bohemian something, but it's not the design. You know, we're still gonna paint those, but we had men come in and do that. We have, we have a gentleman who does a lot for us behind the scenes. I, I think those are some of the, the, the ways in which God is reminding me of how the church needs different gifts. You know, if you want to think honestly about the church, I, I, want, you, I want you to first of all not think in this language, in this way, them. <laughs> when I first came to Skyview, we've gotten a lot better. I, I used to hear this a lot. You know, you, you all ought to think about this. And you'd think that would come from a visitor. No, that was coming from people who'd been a part of the church for years. And I would think to myself, why does that feel strange? Because there's not a sense of actually me in this group. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, we're talking about a community that recognizes not only are they given gifts to bless the community at large, but we are being the church when we do so. If you want to connect in this community of faith, it is so important that you begin to consider what is the gift God has given me? What has God wired me to do? How is God leading me? What is the spirit of God saying to me, teaching me? How am I to use what God has given me to reach out, to make a difference, to be a part of the greater picture of God? And if I could just add as a side note, the language of Corinthians, and in fact the spirituality of the New Testament, is not a me spirituality, it is always a we spirituality. God is always seeking to form for himself not just the individual that knows him, but the community who knows him and serves him. And the reason church is important is it lifts us out of the individual tendencies of our culture and says, you need to be a part of something far bigger than your own script. You have been invited to be a part of something far greater than just your own narrative. Could I be very personal with you and say, I can co-opt my whole spirituality and make it about me and my family, my experience, 
Oh no, but God challenges me to consider that whatever gift he has given me, he has given it not only for my personal edification or for that in my home. He has given it me so that it would be used to bring glory to his name and to be a part of something far greater than I can be on my own. The church needs spiritual men and women to be a part of the mission of God. And it begins with recognizing that we've all been given gifts. It's gotten real quiet in here. Maybe your gift is in finance, not my gift. I have a theory. I was reading a book by the gentleman who spoke last week, uh, Gordon Smith, Dr. Gordon Smith, a book called Institutional Intelligence. And in that book, he says that, you know, many times churches think that a budget is a limit. It's a hindrance. He says, oh, but having limitations enable you to discern what matters most. And sometimes I think that if I had too much, I would be a lunatic. In fact, I'm going to say something startling to you. I think the reason I would never have millions of dollars, don't come knocking on this door, is <laughs> because God is sparing me from things that will divert my attention away from what matters most. Just me. You know, when we think about the church, we need to think soberly about what Paul is saying. Is that the spirit that gives gifts gives gifts to many people, not just one. It is so critical, it's so important today, that when you study, for example, let me, let me qualify what I just said. When you study the various spiritual gift lists in Paul's writings, you soon find that no list is the same, which makes the following point that he wasn't trying to be exhaustive. He wasn't trying to say these are the only spiritual gifts there is. By the way, we read the Bible with our minds. We read it in its context. We listen to it, but we're also open to how the Holy Spirit leads and interprets Scripture for us. But can I just offer this to you? There is a, 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 a tendency to limit what God can do when we limit how we read Scripture. And, and when you read Paul's letters and the different spiritual lists that is given, they are varied because Paul is not making the point these are the only spiritual gifts. He's addressing specific issues, specific context. He's giving clarity to specific congregations. I, I want to say this to you, all that to say this. The Holy Spirit is still gifting the church with what it needs to do ministry in the 21st century. So if you read the Bible and you say, Stu, I don't see myself, prophecy, no, not me. You know, prophecy means something very different to what people make it seem, by the way. In fact, I think we're all called to that, but that's another story. Perhaps you read the Bible and you say, you know, I don't see that I have a gifting. Can I say this to you? You'll be surprised, and perhaps part of you coming to that event will help you to understand what, what we mean when we talk about these spiritual gifts. But could I also add, God gifts people in accordance with the needs of the common good. The needs of this community might be a way of discerning how you can use your gift, even discerning what your gift may be. The Holy Spirit is still giving gifts to God's people to serve the common good. Are you open this morning? Are you open this morning to receiving that gift? When we serve others in the Lord, we ultimately serve God. 
Do you believe that? <laughs> Perhaps the starting point for some of us this morning might be to say, what has God blessed me with, given me, uh, and what, am I, what need am I called to meet? Or perhaps some of us could discern, how do I use what God has given me to contribute to the building up of his community of faith? I am encouraged by what I see at Skyview. And I don't know if some of you are like me, and with this I close, and God's people says amen, or hallelujah, whatever you're comfortable with. I don't know if someone, some of you are like me, but when I have a good spell in my life, there's this little voice in the back of my head that says something's going to go wrong. Are some of you sufficiently uh, cynical like me? It, it seems that my posture in life has been one, oh, when God's doing a good thing, just watch out. I remember the first time I, I, I transitioned from pastoral ministry, I was a youth pastor for a number of years, and I was leaving a church to go and work at another. Uh, I was going to work part-time for another church and part-time somewhere else so that I could have a full-time salary. I was leaving a very full-time job, and someone came up to me and says, oh, you know, when you get promoted, be careful. Satan's going to get you. I left there and I was like, wow, I think he puts a lot more power in Satan than he does in God. <laughs> he believes more in Satan's ability than he believes that this God is able to lead and guide. And, 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 and you know, I, I say all that to say this to you. God is doing such a, a wonderful, life-transforming work in my life. Can you see it? Some of you are saying, we've been praying for years, too. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm an autobiographical person, not because I like speaking about myself, but because my experience is, you know, God is working in me. I, I want you to hear me say this to you as a pastor. He's still working in my life, and there's something wonderfully ha wonderful happening in my life. There, there's a grace and a, a freedom from insecurity. There's a confidence that he's birthing in me that has nothing to do with my ability, but because he has called me, there is a, a wonderful uh, patience that he's bringing to my relationship with my wife. I'm learning to love my wife in new ways. We've been married 20 years this year. She could probably tell you things about you that make you cough, you know, because I wasn't always the nicest person around. But, you know, God is, is, is doing this wonderful work in my life. He's, he's not done with me, you know. And, 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 and I'm living into this posture of being gift. I want to serve. I want to give. I want to, I want to bless people. I want to use what God has given me. God has given me this, uh, this calling to preach, and so I'm faithful to it, and I use it. Pray for me that I would be generous with what God has given me. But what about you? There are so many of you that are being generous. There are so many of you that are using your gifts, but you know, there's always room for more. <laughs> this church will flourish in its mission to the world. Not because we are still waiting on the pieces, but because the pieces that are here grabs a hold of God's Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God enables a group of ordinary people to accomplish His extraordinary work. I want to be a part of a church like that. <laughs> and I welcome you to be a part of a church like that. Let me pray. Father God, I thank You for Your Word.
I thank you for the way in which your word helps guide us and shape us and give us understanding. But I confess to you, Lord, sometimes we are just a lot more content with just new understanding and insight, but not new living, not allowing that truth to change and encourage and guide us in new ways. So simply put, I pray that we would not simply be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. And I pause also, Father, in faith to recognize and discern the many good works that are being done at this church. The good people, the good gifts you have blessed us with. I thank you for them. I thank you for each person who, who knows themselves well enough to know where they fit and where they don't. I thank you this morning for every person who has found a way to serve, to use what they can to bless your people, to minister to others. Thank you that we are a church that is learning and that is living into this reality that God has not withheld any good thing from us. May your grace, which is sufficient, carry us through into this next season of ministry. May we be bold and courageous. May we trust that many more can come to know the saving grace of our Lord because of our faithfulness and our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.